Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you have your Bibles, you can turn over to Genesis chapter 41. And uh, we have been going through this study, and we're going to continue to go through this study uh, that we have seen for the past several months. And uh, I am so excited. Last Wednesday, uh, the Lord gave me an opportunity to preach on something that I am very passionate about, and uh, that is unity within the body of Christ. And uh, man, I hope that if you weren't here, you'll go back and listen. That's so important. It's such an important uh, aspect to the church, but it's an important aspect in all of our lives as Christians uh, to be unified with the Lord, unified with the body of Christ. And so, uh, and then this morning, and then this evening. So today, I'm, I've just been pumped this whole week in preparation for last Wednesday and then today, because today I get to preach about something that I love as well. I love all the Word of God, but just some passionate uh, things, and, uh, and that, that'll be important to remember as I, what I just said. But, um, and then tonight, I'm excited about that too. So, um, but give you kind of recap. Last week we talked about uh, the life point of man's resources can't compare to God's resources. And uh, I didn't have time to go into what that looks like uh, and, and kind of talk about what resources that we can try to depend on sometimes versus depending on God's resources. And so I just wanted to kind of um, touch on that a little bit to, to, to refresh your memory or to kind of give that uh, a thought to you as we move forward. Uh, but sometimes we base and we measure what we can do or what we can't do or what we will do or what we won't do in this life for God or, or period based on what we think, what our resources look like. And I'm not just talking about money, but it can be money. Um, I'm, not, I'm not talking about uh, resources only like time, but it can be time. But I'm also talking about things like our ability or our talents, our giftedness or our own wisdom or our own strength, our own power. Uh, or even, as I said a while ago, uh, our blessings that we have. Uh, sometimes we think, I'll do this, or I won't do that, or I can do this, or I can't do that, based on our understanding of what we have in those areas, in other areas. And, and what the charge was last week is, we don't need to, to trust in our resources. We need to trust in God's resources. Um, nothing of our own can even come close to compare to what God has. And so... Uh, nothing, not only of our own, but nothing of this world. So sometimes we look at what we, we can understand or grasp of this world and say, okay, yeah, this, this makes sense or this will work out. And again, we don't need to, to figure our lives as the children of God based on our resources or this world's resources. I understand that we can't just throw every, uh, you can't just say, well, I'm just not going to go off of anything. Then I'm just going to go willy-nilly, everything. I'm not, God gave us a brain. It's not, it's not about that. Uh, but I'm talking about when we're walking in obedience, living our lives, making decisions, uh, we need to base that off of God's resources. Matter of fact, many times the things that we consider that are our own are actually God's gifts to us. Things like our abilities and our talents and our blessings, you know, again, on and on and on. But uh, I just want to remind us this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 says, it's always better to depend on God because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. And so again, this morning, we're going to see another valuable life point for us to learn from the life of Joseph, take and apply to our lives, and hopefully uh, it, it'll, it'll make an impact. 
uh, moving forward from today. So let's pray, and then we'll jump into that. Father, thank you so much for this time. Thank you for allowing us again to be here and experience what we've already experienced today. It's been just a special day um, already, and we're thankful for what you've done and what you've allowed us to witness. Lord, I know that you're doing things uh, that we don't always see, and for us to be able to see you do a work uh, is just a special blessing, and we count it as an honor, God. We thank you for it. Thank you for what you've already done uh, in this service already, and the time of prayer and, and worship through song and, and giving and um, Lord, now we pray that you would be exalted as your word is preached, as this message is, is uh, shared. Lord, I ask that uh, you would just set me aside and only use uh, me as a vessel so that your will is accomplished, that your word is preached, that um, today in this message, uh, our lives, all of our lives would be impacted and changed for your glory. And uh, Father, I just pray that uh, if there's someone here today that's never trusted you as Lord and Savior, that they would see and hear uh, the beauty of grace and the amazing gift of salvation that you offer uh, to all who would believe, and they would accept it, Lord. And today, uh, they would enter into life. Uh, and um, God, will praise you for that as well. We'll just move now, and we'll praise you in Jesus' name. We ask it. Amen. Uh, if you were here in the, the study last week, or you've been here, you'll remember uh, that Joseph has been summoned by Pharaoh. Uh, to come and interpret a dream. He had been forgotten in prison, and now he's, he's been called up from prison and been asked to interpret a dream, except for Joseph says, look, if this is going to happen, God's going to do it. It's not, not going to be me. It's going to be God. And uh, again, so Joseph gives, gets this opportunity and gives the interpretation, gives the credit to God, and what ends up happening is something amazing because after he's been betrayed, after he's been abused, after he's been sold out, after he's been lied about, after he's been falsely accused, after he's been falsely imprisoned or wrongly imprisoned, uh, he's now seemingly in a, a blessed situation. Think about it. After being all those things, now Joseph is out of prison. That's a huge blessing in itself. Number two, he's second only to Pharaoh. That's a huge promotion. So when, we, when you think about a guy who's experienced all of this bad in his life, and then now he's out of prison, he's second in command of the most powerful man in all of the world, and the third thing is he's been entrusted with a whole lot. I mean, again, he had been, he'd been given all of the control for all of Egypt. That's, that's what Pharaoh said. Listen, it's all yours. You run the whole thing. I'll just be king. You run it all. And so Joseph had been entrusted with a whole lot, but I, I don't want us to forget, even though his life looks a lot more blessed than it did when he was going through all the negative, let's not forget that he's still in a foreign land. He's still working for a foreign entity, if you will. He's not at home. He's not with his, in his land. He's in a different land serving a different uh, purpose. But I want to remind us this morning, as children of God, as citizens of heaven, as Christians, that's exactly like the Christian experience for us today. That, that's where we're at. Where Joseph was, as far as being in a foreign land, serving a foreign entity, that's similar to our experience in this world. Again, Scripture says in uh, Galatians chapter, or Colossians chapter 3, verse 20, that our citizenship is in heaven. As Christians, we've been taken out of this world and, and been given eternal life. That we're foreigners in this land that we call earth. But as Joseph did, 
I think we should look at that and do just as he did. What did Joseph do? Joseph was in a foreign land serving a foreign boss with a theocentric view. You say, what view? <laughs> a, a, a view of his circumstance, of his life, everything that he saw, everything that he thought, had God at the center, a theocentric. He wasn't thinking, well, I'm just going to try to get ahead. I'm just, now that I'm second in command, I'm really going to start rolling in the dough. I'm really going to start. He, he wasn't thinking like that. Again, he gets out of prison, and the first thing he says is, if it's going to happen, it's going to be God. He didn't say, all right, now's my opportunity. I'm going to get back at all the people that got back at me. I'm going to go the way of the world. I'm going to go according to the, the system that the world operates on, which is look out for your own and get your own while you can. He said, no, I was, I was a servant of God all along. I've been a servant in prison, and now I'll be a servant to God. Again, he had a theocentric view. And for us, again, a Christocentric view is what we need to have. Similar, it's the same thing, a Christ-centered view of our lives in this foreign land. That's how we need to live. That's how we need to operate. Our lives should look different. People should look and, 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 and see why we're making the decisions that we're making as followers of Christ and, and, and wonder, why are you doing that? And, and how are you still full of joy? And how are you still at peace? How are you still being blessed? I mean, look what all that you're going through and you're making these decisions. Why are you doing that? It should be that way for us as Christians because we shouldn't necessarily fit into this world. Joseph didn't fit in. Remember what Pharaoh, remember what, uh, what he was recognized as? He was a Hebrew slave. He wasn't of, of that, that country. He wasn't of that land. They knew that. They recognized that. And when he gets up there, Pharaoh even recognized, look, something's different about this guy. While we may be working for Pharaoh, we are to be serving as unto the Lord. We are, we are to be doing what we do with our sights on the Lord. So when you go to work tomorrow, you, you, yeah, you're going to be working for whoever your boss is or whatever the company is or if you own your own company or whatever. That's, what, that's the task that you're doing. That's the, that's the, the worldly boss. That's the Pharaoh of your, your world. But you should be serving and you should be living with God at the center, with Christ at the center of your thoughts, of your decisions, how you interact with your coworkers, how you do your job. Everything should be about honoring the Lord. That's what it was for Joseph. And God was blessing him beyond what we could imagine, I believe, in, in our lives today. But in this, it means that we could never compromise. That means that there's no room for compromise at your job. There's no room for compromise anywhere in, in our lives as children of God. It means that we can't compromise what? We can't compromise our devotion. We can't compromise our commitment. We can't compromise our faithfulness to God ever. Think about that. We can never compromise our devotion, our commitment, our faithfulness to God, period. But when we look at the life of Joseph, we realize he hasn't done that, but we have to ask ourselves, is that how I'm living? Am I living like Joseph did in a foreign land? Are there times of compromise in my life? Are there times where I think, you know what? No one's watching. No, one's con no one is going to see. Or are there times when, when, well, it's not that big of a deal if I don't. I I am I like that? Or am I like Joseph saying, you know what? Regardless of what I go through, regardless of what I lose, I will never compromise my commitment, my devotion, my faithfulness to God.
Never. We, like I said last week, tend to think that if we're going to see success in this life, if it's going to happen for us, if it's going to happen for our kids, that at some point we're going to have to compromise our faithfulness to the Lord and His agenda at least a little bit. We think that because that's what the world tells us. The world says, if you don't do this, then you won't have this opportunity. The world says, if your kids don't do this, they won't have this opportunity. The world tells us that. Nowhere do we find that in Scripture. Nowhere do we find that as, for the children of God. Nowhere. But even as Christians today, we bought this idea from Pharaoh that if we don't, then it's not going to go well with us. It's quiet. <laughs> no. Again, we, 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 we buy this because it's what the world is selling. But over and over in Scripture, we see the opposite is true for those who are supremely blessed by God. It's the opposite. The world says you've got to compromise at least a little bit here. It's not a big deal if you're not there all the time or if you're not doing this all the time. The world says that all the time, and, and Christians day after day in 2019 are saying, that's what the world's selling? I'll, I'll buy that, yeah, because that makes sense. Well, look at all of them, well, look at all the other people, that's what they're doing. And, and nowhere in Scripture we see that, but what we do in Scripture see, it's over and over, time and time again, these people who God supremely blesses, and it may not necessarily be all in this world with this worldly, rich, worldly riches and worldly success. We don't necessarily see all of that, but we see the supreme blessed the blessings of God pour out on these people regardless of what they're going through because they're unwilling to compromise. Unwilling to compromise their devotion and commitment to God. Every example, every example in Scripture, it's like that. Those who didn't compromise their commitment to God and His kingdom and His agenda had His hand of blessing in a supernatural way. The world... Now listen, be it Nebuchadnezzar, Herod, Pharaoh, or whoever. The world may demand, but the supremely blessed will never waver. That's, that's just the way it is. Today, now don't get up and leave. Be it a school be it an organization, be it a promotion, a possession, a birthday party, or whatever. The demands are going to be there. It's, it's just going to be in this world. But as the people of God, we've got to make a decision like Joseph. Who will we bend to? Who will we bow to? It's that simple. And we, 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 we try to make it more complex and we try to make it more gray than it is, but it really is a matter of who will we bend to and who will we bow to. There's three Hebrew, Hebrew children that had the opportunity. Everybody else was doing it in the whole kingdom. Everybody, I mean, it, it, we don't, we're not told that there were other Jews not doing it. Everybody else was there. There's three that were saying, you know what, we're not going to do this. Daniel, when he was put on the line, regardless of what the decree says, I'm not going to bow to any other God, whether to the king 
or I'm not going to do that because I have a commitment to Almighty God as a child of God, and I will not bow to him. I will not bow to any other than him. And today, in 2019, we try to color it a different way. We try to explain it away something different, and it's just not that. It's just our modern version of Nebuchadnezzar. It's our modern version of, uh, uh, of, a, of a statue. It, it, it's whatever. It's the high places that we talked about in Returning to God study. It, it's those things, and, and we call them all kinds of things. I said a while ago. And for some reason, we try to convince ourselves that the bowing is okay today, but it wasn't back then. Or it's different. But Joseph and others like him throughout history were greatly used to point to the true God because of this kind of faith. Today, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned that the world looks at so many professing believers who are bowing to lesser gods, compromising in the face of lesser pulls. And they say, their God must not be real or powerful. And so they turn away from the God that we're trying to say would change their life. There's not a whole lot of change that they see. Or at least they think, well, I don't know that I want to adopt that same misconstrued view of Christianity. Because what it looks like you're doing is just saying something but living a different way. It's an epidemic. Christianity has been made a category of religion by so many people, by the world. A thing to do or claim, another trendy thing, that's what's happened. I read an article this last week, and I'm not going to tell you who it is. Some of you probably read the article and know a little bit about it. But somebody popular in, in pop culture has decided to try to figure out, and I'm not trying to criticize, I'm not trying to be their judge, I'm just simply saying what the reality is versus what Scripture says. They've determined that they're going to try to, or they're considering starting a church. And um, the wife says this, after this person had uh, something on Easter, and um, maybe considered it a church service. Wife said it's honestly more a like a healing experience for my husband. It's just music. There's no sermon. It's definitely something he believes in. Jesus. And there's a Christian vibe. Did you hear that? There's a Christian vibe. But there's no preaching. This is, this is her quote. But there's no preaching. It's just a very spiritual Christian experience. Did you, did you, I, I mean, to me... If, if, you're, if you're hearing that without the, the foundation of truth, you hear that and you say, well, what's wrong with that? But if you have the foundation of the truth, you say, whoa. Preach. Come on now. It's, it's Jesus and there's a Christian vibe. Now, Jesus is Christianity. Yes. It, it's all about him. It's not a vibe. It's not a, it's not a trend. It's not something to, to, to throw on or throw off. And it's not just a spiritual Christian experience. Again, many see it as a religious category, a label that you can slap on whatever, and it's Christian. When it's actually not that at all. It's all about a relationship, a lifestyle. It's about an identity that's hidden in Christ. That's what Scripture says. 
Colossians chapter 3, verse 3 says, You are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, listen what it says, who is our life? That's not a Christian vibe. That's not a trendy thing. That's not a religion. That is a lifestyle. That's an identity. We are in Christ. We are hidden with, with, in, in, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear, then shall also appear with him in glory. It's a lifestyle that says by faith, I'm Christ and he's mine. I follow him and no other. I bow to him and no other. Not even my own will. Not even what the world says I'm supposed to do. My instructor is the Holy Spirit. My textbook, the Word of God. My team is His church. My goal is His glory and His mission. That's what a Christian is. We must be like that. See, the enemy is looking to tear down and destroy whatever he can. He's looking for the weaknesses. Oh, your team's not the church. Oh, oh, your, 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 your visions, your, your goal is not his glory. It's, it's something else. Oh, your, your, your textbook is something other than the word of God. You're going by what man says or what you see in man. Listen, the enemy's looking for that. So we've got to be steadfast. We've got to remember that he can't do anything to beat God. That's what I love I love that, in, in, in the competitive nature, uh, and, and even the way that I'm wired, I, I love knowing we, we win. Look, that, I love that. I, I like to do that. Yesterday, we were playing volleyball, and we won. It was good. They actually played. And we won. I love being on the winning team. And there's bumps and bruises along the way. And it's hard. And it gets ugly sometimes. But I keep pressing on as a Christian. You know why? Because I know who's overcome. And I know I'm on his team. I'm on his side. We are on his side. We need to remember this. Because we need to remember we can have absolute confidence in his word. Again, that's the textbook. That's what Joseph was standing on, the promises of God. Those promises went all the way back to his great-grandpa. That's what Joseph was standing on. Look, God has promised. That's why he was standing. That's why it was true. It's how we should live. I want to look at what happens after Joseph is promoted, okay? So here's the temptation, right? He has all this bad experience, even more worse in the prison, gets out of prison. Now he's, he's, he's over all of Egypt. Now what? Is Joseph going to backslide a little bit? No, he's, he's living the, he's rolling now. What do they call it today, right? He's rolling. He's a roller, no, baller, something. I don't know what they call it. He's a, he's a roller. He's rolling something. I need to stop. Yeah, I'm not in. I'm not in. I'm sorry. No. Genesis chapter 41, verse 46. And Joseph was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. See? Joseph was a young guy. He knew whether it was balling or rolling, okay? So, <laughs> he was 30 years old when he stood before Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And Joseph went out from the presence of Pharaoh and went throughout all the land of Egypt. And in, seven, in the seven plenteous, plenteous years of earth brought forth by handfuls. Uh, and he gathered up all the food of the seven years which were in the land of Egypt and laid up the food in the cities. And the food of the field which was round about every city he laid up in the same. And Joseph gathered corn and the sand of the sea very much until he left numbering, for it was without number. It was so much, they had stored up so much they couldn't even keep count anymore. And, Joseph, Joseph, and unto Joseph were born two sons before the years of famine came, which Asenath, the daughter of Potipharah, 
priest of On bear unto him. And Joseph called the name of his firstborn Manasseh. For God said, he, ha uh, he hath made me forget all my toil and all my father's house. Verse 52. The name of the second was Ephraim. And God hath caused me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Wow. That, what amazing names to choose, right? God has helped me forget the, the, the pains of my past. And God has helped me to be fruitful in the land of my affliction. Beautiful names. In the seven years of plenteous, uh, plenteousness, uh, was in the land of Egypt, they were ended. And the seven years of dearth, or the famine, began to come, according to as Joseph had said. And the dearth was in all the lands, but in all the land of Egypt there was bread. Everybody was running out, but Egypt had, had substance still. And when all the lands, land of Egypt was famished, and the people cried to Pharaoh for bread, Pharaoh said unto all the Egyptians, look, you got to go to Joseph. <laughs> That's amazing to me, right? He's a Hebrew slave. He's, he's honored God. He's done the job. He's He's been faithful and committed to God. And the king, everybody comes to the king, and the king says, oh, no, that's Joseph. I don't know about that, you know. I mean, think about this. God had entrusted him with so much. Go to Joseph. What he saith to you, do. Wow. That's a foreign a king. That's, a, that's his boss. He said, look, he's in charge. Whatever he says, do it. What an amazing amount of, of entrustment had been given to Joseph. Again, he's been faithful to God. And the famine was all over the face of the earth. Joseph opened all the storehouses and sold under the Egyptians. And the famine waxed sore in the land of Egypt. And all countries came into Egypt to Joseph for to buy corn. Because the famine, that, the famine was so sore in all the lands. It was so bad that all the countries round about came to Egypt. Now I want to stop the, the reading there. And I just want to give the, the life point. Uh, because it's so important. I, I, I love this. It's so important. If God said it, he will do it, and you should trust it. Amen. That's just the reality. What, 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 was, what was happening right here and what we just read? What was happening is the revealing of what God said the dream was, right? Pharaoh had the dream. He dreamed two dreams, and they were the exact same interpretation. Joseph said, what's going to happen? There's going to be seven years of plenty. There's going to be seven years of famine. So this is what you need to do. You need to store up in the seven years of famine to take care of the seven years, not only of the seven years through the plenty, but also the seven years of famine. So 14 years and surplus because other people are going to be needing some. God declared it through Joseph. And guess what happened? It came to pass exactly how God said it was going to come to pass. The story wasn't that Joseph, he worked really hard, that, that Joseph worked up the ranks, he, he, he promoted up the ranks, and he was keen on every business opportunity that was afforded to him in life. He was even willing to compromise his relationship with God and his commitment to God at times at the sacrifice of getting ahead in this world while he was in a foreign land. That wasn't the story of how Joseph got ahead and got where he was. It's very clear. The story was, Joseph didn't compromise. Joseph remained loyal to God alone. Joseph was committed to God and what God had promised and what God had said. See, in those moments that Joseph was tempted, he could have said, you know, I don't know if he's really going to make a, a great nation. I mean, everything's falling apart. My brother's kicked me out. I mean, is God really going to do what God said? We don't see that in Joseph. Even in the prison, when everything had gone bad, Joseph still determined to stand on what God had promised, no matter what he felt or what he was experiencing. 
He was absolutely depending upon the word of God. And God blessed him accordingly. That's what happened. Again, God did exactly what God said he would do to Joseph's great-grandpa. He told him. And so Joseph was standing on that word that God had promised. Listen, we need to take it to the bank. We can trust God at his word. Even when the world says, you're going to lose your job. Even when the world says, you'll lose your money. Even when the world says, you'll lose your work. Even when the world says, you're going to lose your opportunities. Or your kids are going to lose their opportunities. Or you're not going to have a chance at that. We need to trust the word of God. And circumstances rise up and cause us to question God's word. And the world turns around and says, that's right, your kid won't have that opportunity. And you definitely won't get ahead. We need to trust God's word. Judah would build a system for themselves, and it dishonored God. And it cost them greatly, the nation of Judah. This is moving forward a little bit in history. They thought it was working out. They thought everything was going fine, but then it turned out to be actually worse than it was in their own minds. Jeremiah chapter 17, prophet speaking, he says, The sin of Judah is written with a pen of iron, with a ball, uh, with a point of a diamond. It's engraved on the tablet of their heart, on the horns of their altars. And while their children remember their altars and their Asherim, beside every green tree and on the high hills, on the mountains and the open country, your wealth and all your treasures. This is what's going to happen. I'm going to give it for a spoil as the price of your high places for sin throughout all your territory. Oh, they had made high places. They had made altars. They had made gods. They had created this system for themselves. And God, through the prophets, telling them, listen, what's going to happen? You're going to lose it all. You shall loosen your hand from your heritage that I gave you, and I'll make you serve your enemies in a land that you do not know. Whoa. For in my anger a fire is kindled that shall burn forever. Thus saith the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength, whose heart turns away from the Lord. And let's just be honest, what are we saying when we don't stand on the word of God? When we listen to what the world tells us or preaches at us or says about our opportunities or says about our promotions, what are we saying that we trust in what man says more than what God says? That's the reality. Goes on to say, he's like a shrub in the desert and shall not see any good come. He shall dwell in the parched places of the wilderness in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed is the man, though, who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by water that sends out its root by the stream and does not fear when heat comes. The reason why is its leaves remain green. It's not anxious in the year of drought because it does not cease to bear fruit. That's the person who trusts in God and his word. He's not going to be moved, not going to waver in the time of difficulty. The heart is deceitful above all things. It's desperately wicked. And so I just feel in my heart I'm supposed to do this for for myself. I just feel in my heart I'm supposed to do this for my kids. Listen, don't listen to your heart. Listen to the word of God. If your heart is telling you what the word of God says, then listen to it. But if your heart's not telling what the word of God says, don't listen to your heart. Why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things and it's desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, he says, try the heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Proverbs 34, 8, O taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, not in his job, 
Not in his savings, not in his 401k, not in the world, not in what man says. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him, in the Lord. Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him have no lack. They don't lack anything, those who fear the Lord. Proverbs 40, verse 4, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust, who does not turn to the proud, to, to, uh, to those who go astray after a lie. Proverbs 16, 20, whoever gives thought to the word will discover good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. Listen, I want you to understand something. I'm almost done. I'm not saying that we shouldn't strive and give our best in everything that we should do. I already talked about that. We should do everything as unto the Lord. But here it is. With what perspective is the question? With what kind of worldview, with what kind of view of life should we be giving our all and our best? That's the question. We are to do all as unto the Lord, but not as men-pleasers, the Bible says. Men-pleasers would include ourself. I just really want to, listen, not what pleases me, not what pleases others, but what pleases the Lord. That includes ourselves, that includes our homes. We just don't understand what my kids, no, no, listen. Honor the Lord in everything. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't do what we can do to help our kids achieve their potential in this life. I want Avery and Addison to, to, to achieve the potential that God created them to achieve in this life. Amen. Not what the world says they should achieve. Right. That how that's done is by what Deuteronomy chapter 6 says. Teaching them the word of God. Living it out. Trying to be sincere in everything you do. The choices you make, the things you allow, the importance that you place on things, they teach others, including the next generation, what's valuable. I hope that you see that and you mark that down. The choices you make, the things you allow, the importance that you place on things, it teaches others, including your kids and your grandkids, what truly is valuable. If Christ truly has no comparison, if he is truly God alone, if he is truly your God, not one among other gods in your life, but truly the only God, then there should never be a conceding to this world at the sacrifice of the things of God. If God is truly God and he's truly your God, there should never be a point in our life where we say, well, I'll sacrifice the things of God for the things of this world. Again, we try to make it gray, but it's just not. It wasn't for Joseph. It's never been for the people of God. Again, we saw in Jeremiah what happens when they try to make it like that. We saw it in the Exodus over and over. We see it. We see it in 2019, even among Christianity, people trying to, to, to do something, and it's just not. Again, I am saying the Bible declares it's never okay to do anything in this world and for or of this world and compromise devotion to God compromise devotion to God's plan to his kingdom to his stuff his mission I'm saying that the people of God should be and they are known by our confidence in his word that's the truth how do you know that somebody's a Christian look at their life what are they basing it on what are the, who's their confidence in what are they going by are they again well I, 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 I'm a Christian I look like everybody else that may be a problem 
If we're following Christ, we should be following his word. It's his word. It should be so much so that we will trust him even when the world doesn't make sense of it. Even when the world calls us crazy or demands compromise. Again, like it did for those three Hebrew children and for Daniel and even for Joseph. And when the world says, look, everybody else who's a Christian is doing this. Why are you having a problem with it? They look at us and say, why are you unwilling to do this? Everybody I know that's a Christian is doing this and there's no problem with them. We will stand on truth and obey. That's called faith. And that faith, true faith, the Bible says produces works. That means it's obedience. Jesus said in Luke 6, and I'm done, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not what I tell you? Wow. That's the difference. It's simple. He's either God, he's our God, or he's not. It's black or white. Jesus said, why are you calling me Lord? Why are you, why are you, why are you saying that you're a part of me, but you're not even doing what I'm telling you to do? That's not the way it works. Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. The rock is Christ Jesus. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been built, built well. It was built rightly on the right foundation. But the one who hears and does not does not do them as like a man who built his house on ground without a foundation when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great this morning is that you or is the first one you are you uncompromised in your commitment and stand on the word of god what are you building your life on is it being built on the rock christ jesus or is it being built on the sinking sand of the world listen this morning We've got to make a decision. If God has said it, if it's in his word, then we're either going to trust it or we're not. We either believe it or we don't. It's not about picking and choosing the parts that we will or won't. It's either all truth or it's not truth at all. Let's be who God's... I mean, look at this group. What an amazing group of people here. Imagine what God could do. Think about what Jesus did with 12 who were saying, we're all in. Imagine what God could do with a group of people like this who said, you know what? We won't compromise. We're all in. I can't imagine what would happen in this community, in this state, in this nation if a church like ours and other churches around would, would be like that. Uncompromised. Unwilling to waver but holy trust in the word of God. Is that you this morning? I encourage you to make that commitment. If it's not, maybe you find yourself this morning saying, you know what, I've compromised. I've compromised for myself. I've compromised for my kids. And I've shown them that the things of God, are compro- they're, they're able to be compromised. And that's not right. I need to show my kids. I need to show my grandkids. I need to show other people that the people of God Don't compromise for this world. We stay committed to God, regardless of our circumstance, regardless of what the world says. Let's make that commitment. Let's be those people this morning. If you've never entered into a relationship with Christ, listen, it may seem odd, it may seem weird. I'm telling you this, the only way to life. That's that's, that's the reality. If, If after this life you want to spend it in heaven with the Lord, it has to be through Jesus Christ. He said that himself. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. 
If you've never given your life to him, if you've never entrusted him with your life, I'm just begging you. You don't, you don't have to come down and feel awkward or weird. You can even grab me or grab somebody at the back, back there, me, Brother Jeffrey, anybody back there, and say, you know what, I, I want to talk about heaven. I want to talk about having that relationship. And we'd be more than happy to share with you uh, what it is that we're talking about. Um, but I, I beg you, if you say, you know what, I want to know now, then come at this invitation and make that decision. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you for the opportunity. I pray that you'd bless now in this invitation. God, I pray that you would move uh, in, in a way uh, that causes us to respond. Lord, we realize that this time is a, is a precious time, and it's, um, it's an important time for us to respond to what your word says, what the challenge was today. And I pray that there would be an entire church here at Trinity Baptist Temple make a commitment today to be uncompromised in our devotion to you. Lord, that we would make a commitment today, whether we do it at this altar or do it in our seats, God, that we would determine that we're not going to bend, we're not going to bow to any other lesser gods, that we will only bow to you. We will only submit our lives to you and you alone. Lord, help us do this, not only for the sake of our community right now, but also for the future generations, our kids and our grandkids watching what we're willing to compromise or not. It's either going to be a really good future generation and future culture or going to be a really, really bad one. Lord, help us make the decisions that show them what's right according to you. Lord, I ask you to bless now in Jesus' name.